Welcome back to Mysteries and Mimosas. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, my name is Max Sterling, and I'm here with Arya Sterling. Hi, everyone. So, as promised, your bonus episode awaits. Right? It does. Are you excited? I am. This is the very this first. Is, yeah. Go Sorry. Ahead. No. This is Stop our talking very... over me. <laughs> ready? I'm me? ready. Okay. You. This is our okay, very. Okay, stop. Stop. I want to go. No. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Okay. No, I'm excited because this was actually the very first episode we recorded. Actually, I think it was the second episode we oh. recorded. We still have one more in the hopper. You're right. Okay. One of the very first episodes. One of the very first. So um, I just wanted to recap. Thank you for listening to Kelsey Smith and Missy and Greg. That that was a really fun episode to record. And I don't know about you, but don't you feel like Missy... Like you've just known Missy for a really long time. Yes. Like she's already a part of your life. Yes. I'm going to tell you right now, if I ever needed anybody, I'm going to call Missy. Yeah. I think she would be I here think, for us. Yeah, absolutely. That's the that's the vibe I get. I really like her. Yeah, I really like her too and Greg. So let's go ahead and get into this cold case out of Colorado. Welcome to Mysteries and Mimosas. My name is Max Sterling. I'm here with my co-host and the old battle axe, Arya Sterling. Arya, today's case from 1986. It's a good year. It is a good year. That is an epic year. Um, it's my favorite year. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know if it's my favorite year, but it's a pretty good year. Wow. I remember it. You don't. No, but... Okay, well, I have a better grasp on what 1986 was better than you oh for that good, good for you it's the year i arrived on this planet so that's true that's why it's the best year <clears throat> excuse me um take a guess a little bit of trivia what is the top of the charts number one song billboard top song in 1986 hmm i'm gonna go with wrong Just wow <laughs> i'm gonna go with um, it's the song from Top Gun by Berlin. I can't think of the no, name of it wrong. right now. Well, that's the song that I thought it was. Okay, it's not. It, it, second guess? No? I don't have a second guess. Okay. That's what friends are for. Dion Warwick. Yep. There you go. And? Dion Elton John. Elton John and who else? Ooh, I don't, I don't know. I don't either. Gladys Knight. Oh, okay. <clears throat> there you go. Number two. Care to guess? I know what number two is. I'm over here looking now. Okay. It's "Say You Say <clears throat> Me" by the one and only Lionel Richie. It is. You know what else was popular though? Don't look. Hang on. <laughs> yeah. Little Baby Max jamming out 1986 to some Mr. Mister. This song is older than 1986. It was it was on the charts. Oh, though. it was still on the charts. But Number it was, five. Really? Number five, 1986, yes. Oh, I'm thinking of a different song. I was thinking of, um, is that Broken Wings? That is Broken Wings. Broken Wings is way before 1986, and it was still on the charts. 
Yeah, probably because I overplayed it. <laughs> it uh, was you. I didn't have a way to overplay it you, back then. But you were watching it on MTV, weren't you? Watching the music video. I was watching the music video in my tarantarens. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. You had a rat tail. I did have a rat tail. Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't judge. Those were popular. I got all the girls with my rat tail. <laughs> all right. Let's get into Darcy Anderson, 1986. Are you ready? I'm ready. Just one last thing about the rat tail before we get started. It was super popular back then. Okay. So I, I want that to be well known. The other thing about it is there's a dude that I know from back in the day. He didn't have a rat tail. He was super jealous of mine. And so I got all the girls and he didn't. He started growing his rat tail out. And by the time he can grow it out, it wasn't popular anymore. I had cut mine off. I wow. took it out of style too. So there you have it. You started a trend and ended a trend. Right. Well, I joined a trend and ended a trend. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, now we're ready. Now we're ready for Darcy Anderson. Now that we have the rat tail thing taken care of. Now that we have the of. rat tail thing taken care of, we're good to go. Okay. So today's case is about a single mother by the name of Darcy K. Anderson. So the reason I wanted to do this case is because when we first discussed having a podcast, um, we talked about getting lesser known cold cases out there to see if maybe one of our listeners possibly had some information that they could provide to the police or Crime Stoppers and maybe reignite the investigation and possibly bring justice to Darcy. Right. Or, yeah. Or to in, the victims. Any, case, any yeah, victims. Sure. Yeah. So that is the, the reason I, I wanted to do this case specifically. So who is Darcy? Darcy was born June 29th, 1962. She gave birth to her son, Tony Anderson, in 1980. And then three years later, in 1983, she actually divorced her husband and Tony's father, Michael Anderson. She and Tony then lived in Castle Rock. She was a very hardworking single mother. She actually worked two jobs, six days a week, to support herself and her son. She worked at a local bakery six days a week. She would actually go in at 2 a.m., and decorate cakes and make donuts. Um, and then at 5 a.m., she would leave that job, take Tony to a daycare center, and then go to her second job, which was as a bookkeeper for a Denver real estate agency. And she would work there from 8 to 5. So when she would go to the bakery at 2 a.m., what she would do is take Tony in his sleeping bag, drive to the bakery. He would sleep there while she worked, and then she would go about the rest of her day. So... That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of work. And I it's mean, waking up to be to work at 2 a.m. Oh, that's the worst I part. I cannot imagine. Yeah, I am I not a morning person, especially a 2 a.m. morning person. And then, you, you know, you have a child that you have to bring with you, and then you go straight from that job to a second job. That I guess that just shows you how dedicated Darcy was to providing for her son. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm kind of curious what Tony's bedtime was. I mean, if he's getting up at 2 a.m., you know, or I know. leaving by 2, whatever. Right. I mean, he gets to sleep while she's working. Oh, sure. But, I mean, if it were me, I would have to probably go to bed by 6 p.m. the night before, and then I still would struggle getting up. Yeah, I'm super curious. If she's working two jobs, I wonder at what time she's getting off at night, too. Yeah, well, I mean, her second job went till 5. It was an 8 to 5 job. Oh, so. man, she didn't have any time to herself. I know. Yeah, I mean, just working one job 
and having a child is hard and I have help. I'm not a single mother and it's still not easy. So again, that just says, you know, a lot about Darcy and the kind of person that she was. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Good. Good for her working all those jobs to support her family. Yeah. So according to Darcy's father, Darcy loved sewing, um, making things with her hands. She especially liked doing things outdoors, especially horseback riding. That, that was one of her favorite things to do. And she lived in Castle Rock, which is about 30 miles or so south of Denver. And there's tons of trails to hike there. There's a lot of open space and parks. So it's actually the perfect place to be if you love to do things outdoors and go horseback riding. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love Colorado, but um, yeah, it is a good place for trails and horseback riding, Hiking. snowboarding, skiing, everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. No, probably not. I mean, snowboarding in 1986 or the early 80s. Uh, I guess not. <laughs> uh, skiing for sure. Yeah. So Darcy was reported missing on December 17th, 1986, just about a week before Christmas. So she failed to show up uh, to work at the bakery. So when I researched this case, I actually found some conflicting information. A majority of the sources indicate that she failed to show up for work and her boss became concerned. And when she couldn't get a hold of Darcy, she actually went to Darcy's house and found the garage door open. Darcy's car was gone. Um, and when she went inside, Darcy was not there, but little Tony was there. So she obviously became concerned because she knows Darcy would never just leave and leave Tony there with the garage door wide open. So she called police and they came out. The other um, information I found was that the boss became concerned when she didn't show up for work. So she just called the police from work and then the police showed up and found the garage door open, car missing and Tony home alone. So I don't know which one for sure it was, but most of the information says that the boss actually went to check on her and found found her missing. Oh, wow. Yeah, so either way, I mean, that just shows how dedicated she was to work. She misses one day, and they're out looking for her, or at least, you know, reporting it to the police to go do a welfare check, and yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it seems like it was very out of character for her. 100%. So when Tony was found, he was wearing socks and jeans, making it seem like he was getting ready to go with his mom to the bakery like they did every morning. Um, and he actually told either the police or the coworker, whoever found him, that his mom never leaves him home alone. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Because he was, he was six years old at the time, so still really young. So Darcy was last seen uh, when she tucked Tony into bed the night before on December 16th. Again, the garage door was open. Her purse and personal belongings were all found at the house. So the only things missing were Darcy and her car, a 1970 yellow Oldsmobile. And that's crazy that, I mean, obviously it's not a, a robbery or a burglary or anything like that, right? I mean, all of her stuff is there, valuable stuff anywhere other, other than her car. Right. Yeah. Um, it didn't look like anything else was missing from the home and her purse or anything it was all still there and tony's there and tony's there dang yeah so immediately following darcy's disappearance there was actually a lot of local media coverage on this case um, which led to a huge outpouring of support from from the community people were even searching for darcy in private planes that's crazy yeah. especially back then wow exactly yeah, and so, like I said, this was about a week before Christmas, um, so the community actually came together and donated toys to Tony, 
um, as Christmas gifts. Uh, one of them was a teddy bear, which he actually named after his mom. Oh, I wonder if he still has it today. If he's around or if he he kept held on to that all this time. I bet he did. I imagine he probably would. It probably meant a lot to him. So fast forward to December 22nd, 1986. A general welding repair service delivery driver named Daryl Crittlebaugh actually noticed Darcy's yellow Oldsmobile parked in a muddy alley near his employer. It, It was located at 1965 South Bannock Street in Denver. So, like I said, this uh, had a lot of media coverage. So, Daryl remembered the news reports and thought that the car matched the description. So, he called the police. Uh, The police came out and ran the plate EJA680 and discovered that it was actually registered to Darcy. Um, The police then opened the trunk and they found a female body. She was fully clothed, wearing a black jogging suit, but she was not wearing any shoes. Her body was slumped over a Sesame Street Big Bird globe that she had purchased as a Christmas gift for Tony. Um, Police actually found spots of blood inside and outside of the car. Uh, They also noted that the windows were frosted over, um, indicating that the car had been there for some length of time, at least probably overnight. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, to be clear, I mean, even back then, I don't think that a whole lot has changed in in the world of police work and the way they do things. I'm guessing they didn't just open up this trunk right away. You know, they they probably had to either have some kind of consent from somebody, maybe maybe her dad or somebody, um, or got a warrant. You know, I don't know that this would develop super quickly. Um, but it is interesting that the windows are frosted over. I mean, at least we know it was there overnight, most likely. Yeah. And, you know, this is 1980s, so there was no, like, surveillance video or anything of when the what, car was left. I wonder what time they found it in the morning or in the day. Yeah, I don't I'm know. Morning. It was probably morning when he showed up for work, but I don't know. So the difficult thing about researching this case is there's not a lot of information on it. Um, you even reached out to the Denver Police Department to see if we could get some information on it, and all they were able to provide was their missing persons bulletin because it is still an active open investigation. So they can't really provide all those details. Right. And hopefully they're, you know, working on it. Yeah. I know that they probably have their hands full with a lot of different cases, but you know, if they, there's blood on the car and outside, you know, inside and outside of the car, there might be some potential DNA stuff that wasn't available to test in 1986. Um, you know, maybe this is a, a decent, case for genetic genealogy where they might get somewhere with this one yeah absolutely again i don't know whether it was her blood or somebody else's so an autopsy was conducted and revealed that darcy had been strangled there were bruises on her body which indicated a struggle but there was no evidence of sexual assault that's really interesting okay so the bruises on her body the police believe that she fought back at least she was strangled so yeah, that's interesting. And it then is. no evidence of sex assault. Right. I mean, we, we know that sometimes when there's no evidence to support a sex assault doesn't mean that it didn't always happen, but I'm guessing that the police had enough to believe that that wasn't the motive here. Yeah, that's that's what they note um, in all the research and all the information I found during research, um, but the, that there was no evidence of sex assault. So then it kind of makes you really think like, well, then what was the motive? Right. Nothing was stolen. Well, her car was taken, but then her car was dumped with her. Um, 
no money was taken, no valuables, and no sexual assault. You know what, actually, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see the report to see whether or not she was, like, manually strangled with, you know, by hand, or if there was, like, a ligature. Yeah, that's yeah. super interesting. Uh, because, really, I mean, it, it might be super personal if yeah. it's a strangulation. Exactly. Yeah, I again, just because it was so long ago, and it's still technically an open investigation, I wasn't able to find those kind of specifics, unfortunately. So police started to look at Darcy's history. And, you know, in these types of cases, you you always start in that inner circle, right? And kind of work your way out. 100%. Yeah. So they found, um, like I said before, that she was divorced from her husband uh, back in 1983. She did have two former boyfriends. One was from Wyoming, and she broke up with him because of his jealousy and bad temper. More recently, she actually dated a Colorado State Patrol trooper who was assigned to the governor's mansion. Um, She told her father that he did have a temper as well, but it was nothing she couldn't handle. Yeah, man, I would love to see the timelines on all these. Like, you know, I mean, we know that she divorced in 83. You know, we would, I guess, come to the conclusion that there's probably issues, you know, leading up to the divorce. Who knows for how long? And then I kind of wonder about this Wyoming guy, how long she had been broken up with him before she started dating the trooper. Uh, either way, I'm guessing that police had a good reason to eliminate them, right? Yeah, I, I did find that police ruled out uh, both the ex-husband and both of the ex-boyfriends. Oh, wow. Okay. So police speculated that Darcy was abducted from her car before leaving for work. There was actually an article, um, I found reference to an article, I couldn't find the actual article, It was written two years later in 1988, and it quoted a former Denver police sergeant who said that detectives had strong evidence to suggest that Darcy was taken for a ransom of $80,000 and that the kidnapper alleged to have attempted to get the money from Darcy's father. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because we were were discussing before, like, what other motive was there? So, I mean, that, that does make sense. Um, A witness apparently reported to police that there was a plan to kidnap both Darcy and Tony a week before Christmas for the ransom. Prosecutors stated they did not have enough evidence to prosecute the alleged kidnapper, and the alleged kidnapper provided police with an alibi. Wow. Yeah. You know, and I was just kind of looking up as you were talking, $80,000 seems like a lot of money for 1986, so I was just, just a quick Google search says, in 1986, the average sale price for a home in the United States was 112000 Um There's some other home prices from the 80s. You know, from 85, it was $84,000. Um, so it's right around there. You know, that's, a, that's enough to buy a house, definitely. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious what the, you know, what her, you know, if her family had a lot of money. Yeah. Um, I don't know uh, whether they did or not. I wish I did. Um, so anyway, no arrests have ever been made in the case. I wonder, did they, did they arrest this person? It says no arrests. No arrests. They made. just probably filed it and let the district attorney's office review it. Then. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing, um, I just, my research just indicated that the prosecutors are the ones that decided there wasn't enough evidence to proceed with charges. And, Apparently, the alleged kidnapper was able to provide police with an alibi. Okay. so Makes sense. Yeah. Darcy's father does believe it was someone who knew Darcy and her work schedule. 
because according to Darcy's dad, she lived too far off the main streets for a stranger to just find her leaving for work with her open garage. Mm. And I mean, that makes complete sense. It had to have been somebody that was watching her or was familiar with her schedule because I find it hard to believe that somebody would just be walking around at two in the morning, happen to see someone with their garage door open and then go kidnap them, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it doesn't make sense. It I doesn't. Mean, in Colorado, especially in December, and how, how sad, really, a week before Christmas, yeah. Tony loses his mom. I know. Um, but, you know, especially in December, when you when it's cold and you're warming up your car, you're basically, you know, having to start it back then, no remote start, anything like that. If it was parked inside the garage, she probably did leave it running inside the garage to warm it up or at least start it. That was the, you know, the idea. And you would, you would raise your garage door so you don't permeate your house with that, you know, exhaust fumes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's believed that she was actually going out to start her car when she was taken, which would make sense because she was found without shoes or anything. So she's getting Tony ready, says, hey, I'm going to go start the car, walks out there and is taken. Okay. I mean, I think a, my theory anyway, after kind of looking at this case is, it was somebody that knew her and her work schedule, somebody that had been watching her um, and took that opportunity. And maybe when they went to kidnap, maybe they did mean to kidnap both Tony and Darcy, but Darcy put up a little bit more of a fight than they thought because um, she did have bruising indicating that there was some kind, of, some kind of a struggle and then possibly strangled her there to kind of subdue her because she sure. was fighting back and then decided to just take off and leave Tony there. Right. When we were, when we were doing, didn't you tell me that they, the ransom, the ransom idea or theory, you know, they had suspected that they were going to kidnap both of them, right? Yes. Both Tom. Yeah. You just said that, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I was kind of, I was reading and not paying attention. I do this all the time. It's not just on a podcast. That's absolutely true too. having, Having that in mind, you know, I, I feel like I'm going to repeat everything that you just said, but I was listening to this part. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of wondering if this person had been watching them for quite some time. You did say that. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, That's not. That... This is my life, though. This, I, I'm used to this. But yes, I, I, I was giving my theory and I do think it was someone that knew her schedule and had been watching her to see how she behaved in the mornings. And they knew that she wouldn't always go out and start her car while getting Tony ready to, to warm it up because she doesn't want to take Tony out in a cold car. It's December in Colorado. It's cold. Right. She doesn't and want to take him out there in a cold car. So she this is her routine, I and, think. And I guess the point that I was trying to get to is, yes, she, somebody must have been watching her for some time, but they must have expected Tony to be already inside the car when she lifted the garage door that morning. Mm, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I that, mean, if it's the ransom guy. Yeah. You're, you're right. That's what I was trying to get to. So yeah. I did listen. I'm sorry. No, you're good. So, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, I, of course, have tons of questions. One of them being, was there more than one person involved? Just because how did this person get out into the, I mean, because from what her dad said, she lived off of the main streets and main right. area. So how did they get out there? And then they take the car and her and they dump it up in Denver, 30 plus miles away and then, I mean, where do they live? How'd they get back to wherever they came from? Was sure. there another person with a car that followed them? I, I don't know. It just, it, to me, doesn't really make sense. Right. And I'm also wondering if there's another person involved. 
I'm totally kidding. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I couldn't help it. No, it does it does make sense that there would be somebody else involved though mm-hmm. because yeah, it's it, you know, Castle Rock south of Denver and man, you know, it's probably really cold whoever's out there in the you know in the morning, so I don't know, it's just so weird. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is weird because that does make sense to me that Yeah, that there was more than one person. Or 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 there wasn't, you know, and and um they had to get if they're if they're from Denver or mm-hmm. somewhere else, they had to get a ride there. Right, but the, if they're from Castle Rock, then they had to get a ride back from to Denver get, right. to Castle Rock. So yeah, it's, so somebody knows something, right? And I would imagine though that it would have been somebody local in Castle Rock if they were watching her and knew her routine, and right. and knew that her family had eighty thousand dollars to to give for a ransom. I, I'm guessing it's somebody that knew her and her family, so probably sure. somebody local there. So, okay, say that, say that's the case and they walk there, I guess, in the freezing cold at 2 a.m. and wait for this to happen because they know that she's going to be leaving for work. But then they drop the car in Denver and then, I mean, how do they get home? I mean, there's taxis and things like that. It's possible, but I don't know. I've just, in re- researching this case, I've always wondered about that. Is there, is it possible there was more than one person with a car right, waiting and following and... Yeah. Giving him a ride back or whatever. But yeah, super sad case that it's been all these years, 37 years almost, and her family doesn't know what happened to her and and hasn't been able to receive the justice that they deserve. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I guess, I mean, I don't even want to say it's a silver lining, but at least, you know, this is one of those cases where they at least have somewhere to visit Darcy you know, yeah. instead of the cold cases where the people are missing. That's and true. And they never, never have them. that. Yeah. They don't know what happened to them. Yeah. yeah. But yes. still, I mean, it doesn't take the sting off. Anymore. Oh, no, absolutely. They're, you know, her son was six years old when he lost his mom. And all of these years later, he has no idea what happened to her or, you know, the person responsible. Right. So. Um, yeah. So in 1986, you when this happened, you were just a couple months old. Yes. Just a couple months old. I was. Yeah. And I've been around rocking my rat tail. So. Um, okay, what what else can you what else can you tell us if you know anything um, when you're listening to this? What's the number? Yeah. So if you do have any information at all, no matter how small you might think it is, please reach out to Denver Crime Stoppers at seven two zero nine one three seven eight six seven. Okay, there you have it. That is um, Darcy K. Anderson. Uh, murdered mom out of Denver, or sorry, Castle Rock in Denver, Colorado. Um, Let's just do a toast to Darcy and her life. So cheers to Darcy. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Mysteries and Mimosas. Don't forget, we host every episode drinking mimosas from our favorite cocktail glasses made by Dragon Glassware. Visit dragonglassware.com and enter the promo code Mysteries and Mimosas podcast to receive 10% off your order. Cheers to drinking in style.